Hello and welcome to the Home System Podcast, episode number 44. My name is Phil and joining me as usual is Rohan. How's it going? Good. How are things? Very good, thank you. Good. And joining us today, we have all the way from Switzerland is Max. Hey, Max. Hi, guys. So, Max, some people uh, will know you as the creator of the new Hass CLI. So, we're going to have fun talking about that with you in a moment, too. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it should be fun. This episode of the Home Assistant podcast is brought to you by Home Assistant Cloud by Nabucasa. Easily connect to Google and Amazon voice assistants for a small monthly fee that also supports the Home Assistant project. Configuration is via their user interface, so no fiddling with router settings or dynamic DNS or YAML. So let's start off with uh, talking about Logitech for a second. So they've re-enabled their local API. Uh, that's good news. So that's interesting. So we know there was a big backlash a little bit while ago that was saying that when when they shut off the local API. And now here we are. You can now enable it. And uh, as of version 4.15.250, uh, so you can do it from the Logitech mobile app. I believe what they talked about uh, before with uh, where it comes to, you know, technically it is unsupported and so on and so forth, and it may avoid your warranty. So that may be an issue. Well, thank you, Logitech. Oh, we really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So a new episode, which means a new release. And once again, this is a jam-packed release. We don't have everything in this episode because there's just too much in here. But 0.88 has landed. And the first big uh, feature to come out in this release is the concept of uh, a person. So last uh, release, 0.87 had the concept of an area, which was added to Home Assistant. Now we have the concept of a person. So the person allows you to combine multiple device trackers. So, for example, you may have your yourself tracked uh, using GPS coordinates, and you may also have yourself tracked using something like Wi-Fi. Now, with Home Assistant, you can have those two device trackers combined to a single person, and if either of those is home or marked as away, it will update your person as being, you know, home or away, as opposed to, you know, needing to use groups, which were previously... Uh, used for that sort of thing so that's really that's really cool that we're finally getting to that sort of level yeah so instead of normally having hey you know rohan's car is here or or your phone is here now it's you know here's the concept of actually having that entity itself right or having that person itself so that's that's very cool yeah it's awesome speaking of people there's a new way to authorize credentials on home assistant so uh what do we what we can do now is you can use command line as an authorization pro, uh, provider so essentially what happens is it calls a command in the background and then uh, you can use use that so that should open up some other services and stuff to uh, to allow home assistant to uh, log people in yeah that'll be yeah you know, it'll be interesting to see I reckon there'll be a few community things around this you know maybe there'll be services out there that won't you know really require a full-on integration with Home Assistant to become a, an authorization provider, but someone mm-hmm. might be able to just do something custom with a, a command line authorization provider to do it. Yeah, I'm 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 more excited just because the authorization providers are, again, something that I've talked about in the past as well, where, where we've been wanting to get a little more different external sources in, right? Yeah. So right yep. now everything is using the internal database, but now you know, this is the first component we've seen that actually they talk about externally as well, saying, hey, with CLI, let's try logging people in there. 
that way, yeah. right? Um, hopefully, we'll see a bunch more coming down the road as well. So things like uh, SAML and so on and so forth. There's a new default configuration component, uh, which has been added to Home Assistant. So uh, this one's going to be a little bit different. Uh, won't really affect if you're already a Home Assistant user. Uh, it will affect if you're installing Home Assistant from now on. So the default configuration component will basically be enabled uh, by default moving forward for any new installations of Home Assistant. And it will allow uh, moving forward, you know, when new components or new features are added to Home Assistant for those to be automatically turned on in the future. So as an example, uh, we previously, I think in a couple of releases ago now, we had the concept of the system health uh, component added to Home Assistant. If you want that enabled in Home Assistant right now, you need to go in and you need to update your configuration YAML file to specifically allow it to be turned on. Moving forward with the default configuration component enabled in Home Assistant installations, when a new feature or release, such as the system health component, is released, the default configuration can be set for that to be turned on. And then when users upgrade their Home Assistant version, those new features or functionalities are switched on with that upgrade. So if you do want to, it is backwards compatible. It is uh, the new default configuration will be turned off by default if you're already using Home Assistant. So you can uh, add it to your configuration file if you want to also have this new functionality moving forward. Interesting. Another uh, notification platform has been added. This time it's for the Huawei LTE routers. So if you have a Huawei LTE router, you can now use uh, SMS notifications from your router. So good if the internet drops out and or something like that. You need to send an SMS somehow. You can leverage that. Also, there's a new GitHub sensor as well. So uh, you can see data from various GitHub repositories, uh, including when it was uh, last released, uh, latest commit, so on and so forth. Uh, even things like open issues. So that'll be handy. Yeah, very. Uh, also, there's a Google PubSub component. So you can post any event changes, things like that from Home Assistant directly to Google, to the PubSub service that they have things like if you're doing any cloud dashboarding or any data science on the cloud so on and so forth now you can enable that i've never heard of google PubSub before but that sounds really interesting so i'm going to be checking that out mm-hmm. and also smart things which i know rohan you've been really excited about i saw your uh, screenshot the other thing you sent me the other day of all your new sensors that are coming through yeah smart things now have uh, climate and lock support as well in this release so good to see that being fleshed out more too yeah, exactly. And I and I noticed uh some of my uh some of my sensors and such that uh, didn't show up the last release uh, also showed up. So uh, which nice. is great. Also some uh breaking changes. So platform config uh won't allow you to contain keys that aren't supported anymore. So any invalid configuration options and so on and so forth will cause warnings and uh errors uh in Home Assistant. So if you misspelled something or so on and so forth, it'll basically just say, hey, you know, you can't use this anymore. So uh, hopefully that'll help get some configs cleaned up out there and uh, that'll be good. Yeah. Will it, will it break it or will it just won't? Yeah, so I think this one's going to be a, a pretty big breaking change. So previously, I think if you had anything that wasn't accepted by a platform or even an old, you know, configuration option, Home Assistant would just ignore it and, and keep it yes. going through. But now, uh, as of this release, if you attempt to start Home Assistant with that invalid config key, uh, the applicable platform or service just 
will it'll, it'll spit out an error saying, you know, you've got an invalid uh, configuration for the Philips Hue component, and then that Philips Hue component, until it, you've gone in and removed that invalid uh, configuration, it won't, you know, be enabled. So I think this one's going to be a, a, a pretty annoying change uh, for this release. Uh, I think it's a necessary one, though, especially if you want to keep things clean and, and sort of help out with support and making sure that, you know, configurations are clean and, and everything's just where it's meant to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's, it's good. It's just I, I just realized that I might be bitten by it because I use it. I use uh, this convention of having X something. Yep, to, yep. In YAML, have the like what's called anchors, so you can reuse the same snippet. Right. So that mean that will show up as a an unknown key. So I guess, well, I guess I'll try. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So anyone who to try to compact their YAML will might be bitten by this. Yeah, that's actually a fair point. And so when you mm-hmm. compacted your YAML, do you then run it through a, 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 like another engine or something to then decompress it and, and put it into the, the way Home Assistant needs it? Or is it just that? No, that's like YAML. The YAML supports natively that you can like name things. So you can have, I, I have this, I use it mainly in Lovelace. So mm-hmm. like the same, you have, you know, I don't know, 30 labels, but I don't want to specify the format for all labels. So I have like an X dash label format, right? And then the styles and whatever they are. And you right. put like a colon ampersand shared style or something, and then I just refer to that shared style in every element. Oh. So it looks a bit funky, but it means that instead of having a hundred lines, I have like thirty. Yeah, um, right. And uh, I only update once, and uh, I did it because uh, I, I I got it working last week. I'm like, oh, that's helped me. So now I'm seeing that they will restrict a bit. So, uh, but I think even if it restricted, uh, they could they could might loosen it up. I know, for example, Docker and other systems that use YAML a lot, they have this convention that they allow if you put X dash something, they'll ignore it. Everything else they'll complain about. Ah, uh, so fair enough. Yeah. But anyway, I'll, I'll try once I get the. Yeah, I'd be curious to know what happens there. Yeah, mm. and maybe there'll be another convention that you know for those situations that Home Assistant will adopt as well to allow expanding those. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Also, so Zigbee ZHA component. There's been a couple of up- updates to that component as well. For if you, so this will affect you if you uh, manage Zigbee directly through Home Assistant and using things like a Zigbee USB radio. So batteries will now be an attribute against the device entity and the status of the device also typically it used to be online, offline. Now it'll be online and unavailable, just like the rest of Home Assistant configurations as well. And uh, Google Home. Now I am an Amazon Echo user, but I keep seeing these updates for Google Home and it's making me uh, really jealous. But Google Home has been moved to its own component because there's, you know, you've got, I think there's a media player that you can now, Google Home can be accessed from, and there's a Mm -hmm. few other things. So now you have access to device trackers. So when you, and so if you're using the Google Home in your Home Assistant config, you'll now need to specify the Google Home platform. And in doing so, that will enable Google Home to be used for device trackers. So it will be able to do some Bluetooth scanning to see what devices the Google Home can see. And there's also new sensors for alarms and timers that are added into this release as well. So when you have, you know, if you set a timer when you're cooking, you can have a sensor for Home Assistant exposed so that you can do things like flashing your lights when the timer is complete. Or you might be able to have Home Assistant start a morning routine when your alarm goes off in the morning. 
depending on what time you set that alarm for. So, yeah, watch out for that. Make sure you update your configs if you're using Google Home. That's interesting. We had a couple of uh, couple of Google Homes uh, lying around, so I actually just set those up as well alongside my uh, Amazon Echo. So I guess I'll need to do that. <laughs> the new Google Home with the display doesn't allow you to show like Lovelace anything yet, right? No, I think it's it's no. very much uh, locked down. Same with the Echo Show from Amazon. They're very much just their they're the, you know the Google or Amazon dashboards that you can really display on them. Mm-hmm. I know, I know. Those are great devices to use for for that use. So Speedtest and Fast dot com have uh, moved to their own components. So sensors that basically uh, which to have their own services. Um, like this one, have the ability to manually trigger speed test. So th- those guys are being moved uh, as well. So if you use a sensor, you'll need to upgrade your configuration. And finally, some important changes if you're using custom components in Home Assistant. This may not apply to everyone, but just in case you are. So Home Assistant is moving to a new file structure as part of their upgrades to the core code and development and all that. Uh, and it may impact you if you're using any custom components that override the default built-in components of Home Assistant. So one example that's been given is if you've developed a custom component that uh, makes or replaces the built-in Philips Hue component, uh, you will need to rename your custom components file from uh, the original file structure was light forward slash hue dot py. You'll now need to move that to hue forward slash light dot py. And of course, we'll have... Uh, the release notes uh, or our own show notes on haspodcast.io if that was all too much for you to understand. And just a couple of other uh, noteworthy updates. Well, really one other uh, noteworthy update. Uh, Fire TV devices linked to Home Assistant uh, can now see which app is running in that Fire TV. So that's actually interesting. Uh, I just got one of these guys too. So that's fantastic. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Well, I know I've talked about this previously on my Roku. I have uh, what, what app is running on the Roku determines, you know, what uh, mm-hmm. things are done. So, for example, if we're watching Netflix, you know, it'll know to do this or that. So, yeah, if you've got uh, the Fire TV, I would definitely recommend in, like, look at the, the app stuff as well. You might be able to, when the Fire TV starts playing, maybe. And This is, this is the kind of thing that is making me con- reconsidering ditching my Apple TV and get it like a Chromecast <laughs> or something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, if you've yeah, definitely take a look at the app stuff because uh, if you've you know once you start playing something on Netflix, you can have the lights dim. But if you're using you know maybe like Amazon Prime Video, maybe you want the lights not to dim because you're probably watching a TV series or something. So yeah, lots of cool automations. I'm sure you'll have fun coming up with. Yeah, that's awesome. I've I've been trying using like you can. I have a Logitech talking to the uh, Apple TV, and then I just kind of send like up down arrows to kind of maybe get it to the right place but it's just not right so yeah yeah i remember having to do yeah. that before i would have a like uh xbmc now which is now called cody uh, and i would have that on a like a windows pc so I'd, i would try and mimic the right uh number of ir commands to open the right app on the on the windows machine and it would never like it would always get out of sync somehow and it yeah it just you'd end up in the wrong program somehow yeah it's 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 a wonder how 
they don't have, uh, I guess, more control in their APIs and things like that, right? To say, or, or even even within a closed ecosystem mm-hmm. of something like Apple TV to Harmony, right? Or something similar. Um, yeah, surely. Like, which is too bad because that would just make life that much easier. Because surely you would think Apple would expose an API for, you know, authorized people like Logitech that you would think would be authorized, I guess, in order to be able yeah. to, you know, at least have some form of IP control or local control over that Apple TV to open up certain apps. So, yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the only thing they have is you can you can airplay to it. It's the only yeah. Yeah. Is, so with your Apple TV, do you have the ability to do something similar with, I know uh, Home Assistant has the media extractor sort of component where you can then Chromecast things to, you know, Chromecast compatible devices. Is there something where you can, you know, find a media URL and then send an AirPlay to the Apple TV or is it too locked down? I, it's kind of locked down. Like ah. you could, could, there is like, you can do it, but then you have to install, you have to install an app on the Apple TV that doesn't have to be running. Ah. And Apple TV will shut them down after a time. So of course. It's like, um, yeah, it, yeah, it's all fe- technical feasible, but they, they it's just locked down. Mm. Yeah. That's it, it'll come at some point. Yeah. It'll take some years for Apple. What about HomeKit? Yeah. Is there any I know HomeKit's sort of opening uh, you, up. You can you can turn on TV, you can control the volume, you can change like basically anything you can do with the remote, which is like six things or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anything I haven't found anything beyond that, no. Ah, that is rather annoying. Yeah, I'd l- I'd love to know if uh, somebody's got that working because that would be really interesting to mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so that's the. I, I even have like I have I use the Plex client on the on yep. the Apple TV, which and I think because Plex has the server and the server can tell me what is playing, so that's I can kind of get that sense, but I can't if I use the native Netflix or anything else. I have, I yeah, it's just a black box basically. Yeah, like if you're using two cloud, two different cloud services, for example. So if you're using, let's say, Netflix, and and we used the example of Prime TV earlier too, right? Or Prime yeah, Video. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you still can't do that, right? You can't compare. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and the one feature I would like to do is I've, I, uh, I got Amazon Echo up and running, and I was so surprised that both my kid and wife started talking to it faster than I did. But the great thing is I can literally just go, you know. I can say turn off Apple TV, and it will just turn off, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I want to do yeah. the turn on Netflix, so I don't have to go and you know click exactly. through and do that thing. But uh, yeah. yeah, so that's the I might I think it'll be faster. I if I get a Chromecast and I'll wait for Apple. But we'll see. <laughs> yeah, the the I'm I'm just trying to figure out what I can do with the Fire TV as well. So I I I got the Fire TV just uh, yesterday. I got it plugged in, so. Let's uh, let's see what we can get done with that guy mm. too. So hopefully that'll be interesting. You missed one thing. I was waiting for that. Oh please! There's a Danish Uh-oh. public transport sensor component. Oh. you have to pronounce the name off. <laughs> you know, I, I saw it in the in the release notes, and I thought I I can't pronounce it, and I'm not going to make a fool of myself again. I okay. <laughs> it's called it, it's Reiseplan. It's the it's the national Danish uh, transfer, uh, transport service that someone added. That's so. very cool. Yeah, I really, I, I really do love um, all these public transport sensors that are added because I think it does add an, an extra level of smarts to your home for your home to be able to sense, you know, when 
public like if there's issues with public transport or when the next public transport is i think it's they're, they're, they are always great additions to see have, have anyone actually done like because api there's a, apis that exist from google and apple uh, now in the maps so or finding yeah that exposed? i think so google actually use uh a format i think it's called gtfs and that is their uh i think it's the google transport something or other i can't remember what the acronym stands for now but it's sort of their standard way for uh, public transport providers around the world to tell google about their public transport schedules and there is yeah. a oh, interesting yeah. yeah. So there is a site out there that you can find. Uh, so you look up your government or your local council's uh, public transport name, and it will return you the if they have it available the GTFS feed URL. And there is a component in Home Assistant that allows you to then pull in that information from Home Assistant. I haven't personally used it, so I, I could be joining the dots incorrectly here. So if anyone is using it and I've done it incorrectly please let me know but essentially from the way i understand it is once you have that feed that uh is a standard way of them defining the the public transport data you can then essentially just suck it down into home assistant and 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 do what you need to with that component yeah because yeah you you basically do it for anything that they have and uh it'll be a nice generic way you might not get immediate warnings exactly yeah or or some stuff would be nice yeah well next project (laughs) So, yeah, so Max, this is the, the time where we usually uh, turn around and, and focus our, our episode on you. And as I said before, you, were, you created the, the Hass CLI, uh, which is the command line interface for Home Assistant. But before we, we get there, I thought perhaps we should, you know, start with your, your journey. How, how did you get started with home automation and, sure. and what, let you, what, what led you to Home Assistant? Well, uh, it's fairly recent, uh, but uh, in general, home automation, I, I've worked on and off, and I, I know a few people who've done home automation, but I always got, I have a logic, I have things I have at home for years. It's like I had a Logitech, I had the Phil Hue lights. Uh, the last two years, I got the Ring, uh, mm-hmm. what's it called, the, the doorbell, and Nuki, Nuki IO is the lock, and Sonos. And I, I was kind of getting annoyed because things were just like, I couldn't get them to wire up, et cetera. But I, I, I tried using stuff like early on, like years ago, like Logitech that has some of this, you could do something. This is, this is very early on. You could do something there, <coughs> the UI, but it's just horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, I liked the Philips one, but again, I couldn't hook it up. So I was like, I, I just never bothered because I was like, no, this, this will take too much time. And the wife right. I never accept. I never accept it. It will just be me. I'll find it funny, but nothing will work. And then um, uh, I was uh, actually uh, this year. I'm I'm not working. I'm I'm on a student leave. I, I took a year of absence to be with my kids and family. And then on the first day I had that absence, I actually twisted my foot and had a fracture. So all my plans of not using computer and just be outside and oh, have fun kind of kind of died in the. Oh. In, in, in that part but uh, so a month in i was like getting bored and i said like, okay let me see if i still use computer and i don't know if this was about the same time what but i remember i saw a home assistant come popping up and this it was the ninth most active product on github and i said huh let, let me try and i was like i've used open hat before it was just i like it it has a lot of extensibility and it's great in that way but it's just 
it's a bit too heavy for me to just kind of play with. And uh, and then I just saw Home Assistant, and it was just this. I really liked it. It was a very simple layer of, of Python and YAML, and and, and I, I could literally iterate and do things very fast that I've and I had full control. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I was like, hey, this is great. And I was starting. Let me try and do the automation. I did some fixes to documentation, and like I was getting t annoyed about the UI, not because like, UI is great, it's awesome, but the way I work, I like I just try things, and then I want to see if it made an effect. But I don't want to run around in the house, right? So, yeah, I, I wanted a way to look it up. And the UI, I have to. There's a UI page to look at the state, etc. But it's just, it just got too tedious. I was like, there must be a command line tool for it. And I looked around, and there wasn't really anything. There was um, Fabian the F F A B F F had a yeah. like a prototype. Um, and but it didn't work because this this was in the old days of how it did authentication, and I was like, let me try and fix this. And uh, then, boom, he gave me commit access, and we're talking. I saw Home Assistant the first time in was that September uh, last year, and we did the first release of Home Assistant in a new version November December or something. Yep. And uh, yeah. I, I've been uh, kind of getting into a state, and then. Of being feature complete, which happened uh, two weeks ago, where I did the CO5 release, and that's when I made a blog about it, and 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 uh, people got a bit more involved. Um, so now I, I literally built it because I I, I was lazy. I didn't want to <laughs> run around the house. <laughs> well, that, that's how um, Home Assistant started, right? Like Paul didn't want to, you know, his light his, to use a light switch, and yeah. here we are now. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a minute to talk about the Eufy Video Lock. It's a smart lock that's really easy to set up with just a Phillips screwdriver and no extra drilling. It's got a keyless entry, so you don't need to worry about fumbling with the keys when your hands are full. Also, you don't need to worry about handing out extra keys when you're in a pinch, your kids losing them, or people copying the key and passing it around to each other. Something else I like about the Eufy Video Lock is that it has a camera built in and it works as a doorbell as well. Personally, I think the Eufy video lock is great for apartments or cottages where you can't necessarily add extra holes for a video doorbell. My favorite part about it though is that there isn't a monthly fee and your recordings are locally stored, so you don't have to worry about someone else owning your doorbell data. You can find it on Amazon, or if you want to know more, search Eufy video lock, that's E-U-F-Y video lock, or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. And, yeah. and that was actually the, the, the things I've done with Home Assistant uh, with and without the uh, CLI was uh, first was the motion sensor lights, which you can do in Philips Hue, but uh, and it was actually the first time my wife went, oh, this is actually cool. Until then, she'd be like, what are you doing? But right. uh, now we have the kitchen, like she goes down with the kids and, on their arms and she doesn't have to find a switch. It just turns on. I've added, um, I, and the reason why I, Home Assistant was uh, I had to, I want to install some lights in the basement, but uh, Philip Hue was, was a bit too expensive. Mm. But then I figured out, oh, you can use the IKEA lights. It's not too expensive. I yeah. expanded with that. But then I was like, oh, I have a, a, a IKEA bridge and a Philip Hue bridge. So I said, that's annoying. So I got the Conby the CD yep. USB thing and that works mm -hmm. great and I added uh, some Xiaomi uh, device, uh, devices to it but those those have been kind of disappointing because I, I had the motion sensor like the vibration sensor and I was hoping to put them on my 
washing machine or on the garage door, but they don't in the combi they don't record like movement until they just say I'm moving. They don't say I'm, uh, I'm tilted or what I can't think. Um, I think they work <laughs> on it, but it's been been uh, kind of stalled. So that's waiting. And the other one I did, which my wife actually uh, approved of, was she has a we have a humidifier in the living room that does this old uh, infrared remote control to. So she has mm-hmm. to you know pick it up and point to it and all that kind of stuff. But I, I took a hue dimmer switch, which I didn't need anymore because now the lights going on its own, and uh, wired it up to control. A Broadlink, like the mini, the blaster, the infrared blaster. So now she can literally just wake up and see the kid is, you know, needs it's needs uh, adjusting the heat, and she doesn't have to just need to get to the remote and just click because it's now over radio, and therefore, right, you know, just works. So that that's been pretty cool. And uh, yeah, my my uh, products that I'm starting to work on is the magic cards having the rfe the rfid cards yeah yeah and print something on them with the kids uh and i have i got everything i ordered i have the cards i have the reader i have the special print slot for the printer i've got a printer for it but then it turns out that canon decided that apple shouldn't be well supported anymore um so i have to get a a windows machine other running Um, so they can print but it can't do the the CD printing thing. They can't control That's it. That's so annoying. Um, Can you use like a, a Windows virtual machine just to? That's that's what's on my to do list. of yep. doing. But uh, right, know. right. And my 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 the actual thing that got me started is I was looking for a system because I got the whole motion light uh, working. Uh, is how I really is looking forward to the day I can. Just remove my uh, in the, the uh, what's it called in the wall switches like the mm. physical buttons mm-hmm. for on off because I have some lights I can't put hue lights in and I really just want to have put a sonar or something into that wall but I'm not I'm not a I, I don't do sodding or any I haven't done that yet so I'm looking for the you know someone to build something I can just wire up and then just put it inside behind the wall and it will hook up to home assistant but I'm I'm still waiting it exists in US but uh, I haven't found anything that's compatible with Europe or Swiss plugs. So, right. Well, yeah. Okay, but um, that was that was how I got to CLI, and that's that's where we are now. Yeah. So I guess so. so that's where you are with, yeah. with CLI. So how? So I'm guessing you know you wanted to be able to see you know states of of things in home system, but nothing. You you were just too lazy to open up the UI. Would that be the extent of it? That's that's that. That was that was the, the the first of that. I was like, how do I get the state of if my kitchen light is on or off while I'm sitting in yep. the office? I don't want to go down. So I, I needed that. So you can basically go. First of all, SCLI is just a command line tool that talks to Home Assistant, just like your browser or Node Red or App Demon and all those guys do. So there's nothing magic about. There's no magical okay. things here. Uh, so. And I saw people are people asking beginning like how does it do this? And it's like no no it's just no magic it just works on the same API. So if your browser can if you can open a browser and talk to Home Assistant, 
uh, I, I, the CLI can, can work like, So as a, a Docker user myself, I, I have to admit that when I first read the Hass CLI, I was like, okay, that's cool. But as a Docker user, I don't have access to Home Assistant as a, from the command line. So this isn't for me. And then I think uh, it came out in the in the in one of your blog posts that you wrote that all it is is just communicating over the API. So if you're using uh, Hassio yes. or if you're using Docker or anything, as long as you have API access to Home Assistant, you'll be able to use this command line tool. So yeah, that's awesome. Yes, exactly. Right. That's wicked. So, yeah. Uh, and that, that was like, I was a bit I was a bit surprised when I saw it. I was like, like I, that's been repeated comment. Like, how do I get into mm. Docker? I'm like, no, you don't need to. But that that said, the next release that hopefully will happen next week, we actually have a Docker version, so you can run it. You don't have to. Right now, you have to have Python installed on your machine to do this. But in the next, we will have a Docker container, so you can literally just go. Uh, you can make an alias for CLI and it will just call it Docker, oh. and you uh, will have it running. So you don't have to. It makes it all the installation problems. Oh, that's away, awesome. In that sense. Yeah, very cool. So, um, but yeah, so it just talks to the home assistant like anything else. And uh, the basic things you, you uh, I use it for was in the beginning just to get an understanding of what home assistant was doing, uh, which was in begin I was having a hard time because there's no, let's just talk about this an event buzz and these events are going on. I was like, where do I see those events? Um, and I haven't found a good way to have them. Some people use Node Red to get it, and I'm like, I don't want to. I could figure it out, but it was just too tedious. So I, I in the the latest version of, of the has CLI, this, uh, you can get states. So you can say has CLI get office lights, uh, and it will tell you what the state is and what when it was last updated, that kind of thing. And and, uh, and by the way, it use it can do what's called auto completion. So you don't you can just go has CLI entity get, uh, and then you just say office. And tap, and then it will figure out. Oh, there's like there's uh, a light office, there's sensor office, whatever it is, and mm. you just choose, and uh, out comes the result. Um, oh, that's really mean, cool. mean you don't have to remember stuff. And I, I like I said, yeah. I did this because I'm lazy and I, I don't want to. <laughs> <remember that. laughs> um, so you can get things, but you can also list things. So get a single sensor, a single uh, state, or list. Multiple states. So, for example, in my kitchen with the sensor, I have like a, I have a kitchen light one, two, three. I have like six lights down there. I have a kitchen uh, a sensor and a temperature. And I'm like, ah, oh, how do I um, get that? You just go hash CLI uh, entity list and kitchen, and automatically it will say, okay, find anything that has the word kitchen in it. Um, it can be a it can be a full what's called a regular expression, so you can do all kind of pattern matching. Yeah, that's more for advanced users, but basically just it does do a, what's called a substring search. So it will anything out of the kitchen, so you get the list of entities. And because it's a command line tool, you can do all kind of crazy stuff. So you can uh, get it in JSON or in YAML or as a table, as a markdown, as a comma separate string, whatever you want. Hmm. And then you can. You can pipe it, like you can pass it on to another command line tool. Uh, so what I I actually do now is when I'm editing uh, um, uh, Lovelace YAML or Groups automation, and I need the list of entities that I'm, I'm interested in, instead of manually typing them in, I just go has CLI uh, entity list kitchen, 
and then I pipe it over to a command that makes that literally just takes every name and add a dash in front, so it becomes YAML, and then I paste it in, and I again I'm lazy. I can just copy paste instead of having to manually get in those things. That's in there. awesome. Um, oh, that's great. So, and then the next one is the watching again, understanding what's in the system and get the data out. And you can now go has CLI. Uh, I need to remember how that one is. That's event watch, and automatically it will literally just dump everything that comes on that bus. It'll be very noisy if you have a very active house. But uh, you can also go event watch and then the event type. For example, that will be state changed, or the one I use to set up my demo switch to the the home unifier. I need to know the events and the names, and I just went has CLI event watch and. Uh, the conbi sends this event called deconce event, and then it will only show me deconce events. So you can filter that out. Um, hmm. And that, that means, like, I've seen a lot of people asking, what, oh, you need to listen to event. What events are there? And you can find it by reading up the thing. But with the CLI, you can literally just say, has CLI event watch, and then just watch what's going on when you do things. And from that, you can kind of, like, oh, that's what's going on. And great. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll I'll do it that way. Um, so that was that was the reading part and um, of you know, getting information from it, which was my big my biggest wish in the beginning. Um, but then I came like, well, why can't I just also do things? Why do I have to actually go down to the kitchen to trigger a sensor? I just want to toggle it or turn on the lights for fun, basically. <laughs> um, uh, so you can also do HCLI. A service a list to find the service, but a service call home assistant on toggle, and then the entity ID, which also is uh, what's called tap complete. So you can call any service in home assistant from the command line, and literally just from your computer, you can basically do anything you want to do. And I haven't done anything with it beyond just I found it was fun to do. But I've seen a few people uh, responding back, uh, either private to me or on, on the blog, saying, oh, this is cool. And they, they've used any system they had that doesn't work with Home Assistant, uh, but they can actually set in a command line tool or, or a command. So they just, uh, there's a guy who has this, uh, like, a, 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 like a magic cube, not the one from Xiaomi, but something else. And he literally can, his computer can detect that it's moved. And then he just go has he just says when these things happen go has CLI some command and now it's wired into Home Assistant without having to wait for a component in in Home Assistant. Um, so it's it's kind of like a a poor man's way of doing integration with Home Assistant uh, without having to. That's awesome. Yeah, and I guess because I, I, I when I've I've read this I'm like okay that's cool I'm guessing this is going to be a way for people to to integrate things I've always wondered you know I wonder what you could integrate with another thing i've just i've just thought of now is maybe you've got a, a linux cron job that needs to run every night at 3 a.m you could probably use a, a service call to have something logged in the home assistant logs when that is done or maybe you know flash the yeah. lights when it's done something like that so yeah it's cool that it's yeah. it opens yeah, up I, home assistant to yeah. to be able to do that and, as you, yeah. you, uh, and, and the, the cool thing is all this is again i'm using the same api has been there for years basically Mm-hmm. how long it is, uh, but it's just more accessible. So you don't have to figure out how to do the authentication. You don't have to worry about curl calls and setting authentication headers and yes, all that sort of stuff. Exactly. It's done for yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, and and the other piece too is if you're if you're doing any scripting with Bash yeah. or anything like that too, that's that's amazing. It uh, works that way. And the 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 other thing, and this is the one that I um, uh, I literally just did uh, a week ago, was there's this things coming in in Open Assistant with areas, and we talked about mm. persons today, and which is all great. And actually, one of the things that I really really like about Home Assistant that it all these concepts become something I can apply to Philips Hue and HomeKit and Chrome like in one place. I don't have to go and set up, oh, there's these groups in Home Assist uh, in Philips Hue and these in Logitech and these Home Assistant can do it for me. And with Area, there's this level of like this great notion of things. But I think to many disappointments was that the only way you can edit this is now via the what's called the device registry or the entity sort of area integration UI, which I know it's just the mm. first version. I'm sure it's going to be better over time. Uh, but I was sitting there and I had like, I have, I'm close to 60 devices in my house. And I'm like, that's going to suck to do that. So with has CLI, I can, well, I can use the UI, no problem. But I can also go has CLI device assign. And I say uh, filter kitchen. And the area should be kitchen also. And now it will take any device that has kitchen in the name and assign that to the kitchen area. Wow. Um, right. And, and that means I, I, I now have all my stuff done in areas, and that took me literally like four minutes. Because um, I have a naming wow. pattern, and I can just use that and, and apply. Um, yeah. No, that, that is, that's powerful. Right, and that's that's all. I just want to say this is not a replacement or anything. This is really just an enhancement of what is already there. And because I don't have to build a, a fancy UI and stuff, those who have the technical skills and interest, they with the CLI they can basically do anything. And whereas in the UI, you have to if you have to wait for someone to write the UI that does it for you, with the CLI you can actually tinker and do it yourself. So I, I like this about Home Assistant. I can. I can pick and choose what mood I'm in. Am I a UI guy today or am I a, a tinker? <laughs> and, uh, that's that's, that's, that's uh, funny. That's what's there. That's yeah. cool. What else uh, we have? The one, this one I haven't done so much on yet, but I I, um, I, I do have the foundation for it. Uh, you can, uh, there's a temp, like literally there's a, a command called template in um, in Hasili. So you say Hasili template, you give it a, a what's it called? Jinda2 like yep. a Python template file and mm -hmm. a data file. So, but it has two modes. It has one where you can literally, it, what it does is just calling the built-in home assistant server-side uh, render. So let's say you want to, instead of going to the UI and run that, that's just like testing UI to run this template, which you use to build template sensors. Uh, I was like, well, there's all this data in there. I want to get that out in a format. Uh, so I always want to have an easy way to run that generator from command line, which I can do now. Um, but in that environment, there's only a certain limited set of data available. Um, so for example, devices and errors is not in there yet. It might come, but it's not there yet. Uh, right. But I also have a, you can run has template dash dash local. So instead of running it remotely, it runs it locally. And there, I haven't, so this is, this is not fully built in, but I hope to get it in before next week. Uh, it literally 
we'll get all the states and devices and areas and put it into so you can access them. And from there, I can now run like a template and generate like an inventory list um, of uh, all my items. And oh, this is a Hugh Phillips and an IKEA and a, a Logitech, whatever is there. And and you've seen these people who have their GitHub pages with a config and have like a table. Yeah. All the devices they have, I, I can now kind of generate that all from uh, the command line on its own. Yeah. Right. That's. Um, yeah. And, I, and this is not the only thing. I'm pretty sure others will have, you know, crazy other things they will come up with. Well, this actually becomes pretty good for those that do want to push their config to uh, GitHub. You know, you could potentially have a lot of these devices you know, or your readmes on GitHub done via like a, a Travis CI build that's powered by the, this has mm-hmm. CLI. That's that's my that's my tink, that's my uh, my uh, litmus test for that feature of being yeah. able to do kind of that. So, that's yeah. awesome. That is very cool, and uh, and yeah, no, it's it's uh, I built it because I was lazy and I just I didn't want to think about it, <laughs> and uh, like, hey, others can 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 do this and uh, and make it happen. And one thing I, I haven't done this yet, uh, but I realize I can now is you can have in in Home Assistant you can have uh, what's called a file watch, so you can have Home Assistant looking for file is changing. So let's say right. you go into your config and you change a file in the config directory. And of course, if you, if you use uh, Lovelace, other thing, they will read automatically. But I can actually with this say, hey, you know what? I have a very complex setup. I want to use templates to generate it. So when I either I can do it when on a file has changed or an entity has changed or device shows up, I can then literally call the HAS CLI to run the template and generate the UI Lovelace. And up it, it, it pops. Right, so I can have this, hmm. I can have this turnaround that uh, of 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 reloading without having to yeah manually do that stuff. So again, it's just a kind of enable of doing crazy things. So one thing that's sort of uh, maybe not directly related to this CLI, but something that I'm I've just started thinking. You know, now I can see it being uh, a potential in the future. Is I use Visual Studio Code a lot to edit my uh, Home Assistant config. And I've started using the snippets feature to sort of auto-complete, you know, my Home Assistant entities. But I'm, I'm guessing it would be uh, very easy for ah. someone that's uh, more uh, more smarter than me to be able to create a Visual Studio <laughs> Code integration that maybe uses the Hass CLI to then, you know, automatically go out and fetch the latest entity IDs from Home Assistant while I'm typing in my YAML code. So if there's someone out there that wants to build that, that is a, a great use case right. for this. So, so this, I actually forgot about it, but this is actually why I started doing this. In uh, the company I work for, Red Hat, I actually worked on the on the, the team that was mm-hmm. working with VS Code. And they have this notion of, in there, it's called the language server protocol, where you can literally build plugin for anything. And... I actually started that role. Hey, it would be fun to have a VS Code editor that could do auto completion of the YAML stuff. Um, and I was, so actually, I have a prototype for that stuff, but I, I just haven't completed it. But yes, you can completely do that. And it will, you can do that via the SCLI or just talk directly to the API. That's right. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. See, there you go. You got a feature request and it's almost <laughs> implemented too. But yeah. But actually, what, what, what I actually got more into was, um, uh, the cool thing with the Hasselai is again you can run it anywhere, so you can have it on your you know Mac or your PC or 
whatever that can run Python. There's also those who don't want that, and they the uh, the Frank's uh, Hashio add-on, mm -hmm. SSH add-on, has the Hashio Live built in, so you can use it from there in the terminal. But the thing I actually really would like to do is the IDE. There's the Cloud9 IDE that uh, they use. Uh, it can also, you sit and edit things there. And when you save, you can then run commands. And I, I want to call the CLI. But unfortunately, that IDE requires Python 2. So uh. it can't run the CLI because that was Python 3. But they, he, I, I talked to him the other day. He says he's working on, on integrating a thing called Thea that uh, should be able to run with Python 3. So that means, literally, you can imagine if you have HES.io, it will out of the box, if you install those, the IDE and the terminal and Node Red and that similar, they will all be able to talk to the API and do everything, but they can also use the HES.CLI, which enables you to integrate with anything. Like you don't even need to wait for a Node Red component or, or a, a automation. You can literally just script it. Uh, any way you like. Um, but I hope, hope that will come in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, now, that's awesome. Once we get the Python 3. Yeah, this is this is amazing. It sounds, uh, you know, just so useful. Uh, I, I was just, I was, I, th I think I'm at the point where I am going to give it a shot. Let's, uh, you know, it, just even if nothing, just to, just to pull it out and just to pull out information. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny. You, you really appeal to me with the, Here's how I fill in the the entity IDs. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's 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 just one of those stupid things that you have to do every single time, and you just it's frustrating. <laughs> so if I can have a tool that I can just pull it directly without having to look in the UI or look in, look somewhere else, it's that's handy. Uh, it's it's safe. Yeah. Well, I, I probably use more time now on it than it would it saved me, but it literally every time I'm like, oh. I, I, the YAML like, oh, I have to find a list of entities. I'm like, no, I just, no, I just call the CLI and it'll give. Me I mean, out of all mm -hmm. the times we spend creating our automations, wouldn't it just be more quicker to turn the light switch off and on? Like, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, exactly. no, 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 ha like having to lift <laughs> your arm and and push the button is a very like, that's you don't you don't. As I try to explain, like uh, so many people ask me, like, what what have you been doing on your sabbatical? Like, well, I've made it so I don't have to turn on light. Oh, okay, but. Um, <laughs> But like it's been a different. It's been it's one of those things you can't explain mm. it until you tried it. You go like, oh, I just go down, turn on light, and I leave again. There's no, no, no hunting down for switches. So, no. it's a good thing. So, what are you using like for your personal setup? Like, how what is powering your home system? Do you have like this big beast of a machine that's running in your basement to? The first time I tried to run, I I tried to use. I have a, a Synology. Uh, yeah, server a fairly big one, but yeah, uh, I can't remember. So I think I got it running in Docker, but there was just something that you're like, now nah, this is going to be tedious. So I actually just ordered a, a, a Raspberry Pi, and and now I run it there. I have a Raspberry Pi, I run has has IO on it, and okay, and with the combi stick on it, and and that's it. Um, the the one thing I'm, I'm I was considering making me move it to a bigger one was to the whole TensorFlow with the, you can detect what's on a camera. Yeah. yeah. I really, really want that one. Um, but it's not in the HASIO because it requires, the TensorFlow is like a massive uh, Docker image. Yeah, it's huge. Um, but I, I, taught, I started, there was a guy who had the same problem that he's now looking into making it so you can run TensorFlow on another, like on another machine uh, or another Docker container. 
that that will mean that you could have TensorFlow running as a separate Docker on Hasio, or have it running on your big Synology or your machine somewhere. Um, but once that's there, then yeah, I'll still just run on the Raspberry Pi because it's like nice and simple. It's like small and it works. And um, yeah, yeah. So no, so that's my setup. Oh. Two weeks ago, I moved it to, instead of using the database, the, the built-in database, I, I run the database on the Synology. Uh, Through MySQL or something like that? Yeah, MariaDB. So MySQL, yep. yeah. And I just yeah. did that because I, I kept seeing these people, oh, my uh, SSD card fried and I have to restart. I'm like, which I, I haven't had a problem. Um, but now I, I did this so that it doesn't, you know, reduce yeah. it. If you're running it on a Raspberry Pi, the less database rights you can have running, the 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 longer your SD card will run. So I definitely would recommend eventually yeah. moving over to something like MariaDB or MySQL. Yeah. And, yeah, and, but, for if you can. and that, and again, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I'm, I have a lot of traffic or anything, but I, I didn't feel the speed being bad. But once I moved to the MySQL, I I, I can feel like the system kind of have more. It, it, it it's 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 faster, especially around the history. Mm, um, yeah. Oh oh, that's Pulling I forgot. Stuff, that's yeah. that's uh, the Hasiola has other features too. I forgot. This has been a while since it. <laughs> um, you can go Hasiola history. So you know, if you go to the history tab oh. in a logbook in in the Home Assistant, you you wait for it to load, and it shows you all that stuff that happened. And it always annoyed me that it always shows a day at a time. Yes, yeah. and I like so you can now go has CLI uh, history, and I forgot the format now. But like you can type two two D like two days, or and it will just give you the last two days. Or you can say the last thirty minutes, thirty uh, m thirty minutes, mm. or you can give it a specific timestamp. And you can say uh, again a filter. You can say anything that has kitchen in it or uh, kitchen or uh, office, and you can literally just say what happened in the last. You know, ten or thirty minutes. Which again, oh, now that is very useful. useful yeah, trying yeah. to figure out automation, right? Um, because I don't use the logbook much unless it's for debugging why an automation got fired and having to wait for it to load a whole day's worth yeah. of data, especially yeah. when it's like ten p.m. at night. So you've got you know twenty-two hours of the day already used up. It is very. It can be very frustrating having to wait for that to load. Yeah. So that is a very handy feature. Yeah. And by the way, and the two things is so I, I did this I did the feature before I did the database thing, and and there it just saved me a ton of time. Uh, getting a database in made it faster, but again, mm-hmm. if you have a lot of sensors, then even the even if the the home assistant can give it to you, the way the UI is built, it takes time for it to yes. uh, to, to, to to get it up. Right? Like, and yeah, uh, yeah. Right. so uh, so yeah, uh, no, so that that's in there the history. I was just looking if anything else we have. We have I have a map feature. Or, or it's an old one, but you just just go home assistant map and a, uh, it'll sh- open up a map with where you are. Um, the open open street map of the locations you have. What's there? I have discover, which I might have to turn off. But literally the same me- mechanism that home assistant used to discover what's running on your home network, you can run from home assistants uh, from has CLI, so you can kind of see what is. Is oh. broadcasted on your network, which I learned a lot of stuff. I was like, "Oh, I have devices I didn't even know about." <laughs> so, um, oh, that's handy. Um, well, that yeah, will sort of make it more transparent. What is actually broadcasting on your network? I guess. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, there's config, which is a you can go home to config and literally just dumps to you the the names and, and values you have. Uh, right. So you can say one thing I had because I run home uh, has IO. It's sometime I'm not sure if it has a home system, but it can be a, take a time to boot up. And I'm not sure <clears throat> I'm not sure if it's rebooted uh, and if it's enabled a component. So now I can go has has CLI config <clears throat> components. And just grab for like if let's say I'm playing with the PlayStation, and it will tell me if PlayStation is enabled or not in the home assistant instance. So I use that again to not having to go to the logs or anything to see if it boot <coughs> up. I can just get that information from there. Um, yeah, I we have um, uh, uh, logs, so you can just go home assistant system logs, and we'll give you the logs, so you don't have to go to the UI again. Uh, it's called raw. So literally, the, there's, a, there's a nice REST API behind the Home Assistant, and the WebSocket API is there now. I haven't done the raw WebSocket API now, but I will do it, but the REST API is there. So you can literally mm-hmm. go home, uh, has CLI raw and then use tag completion to call any anything that's in, documented in the Home Assistant API. You can just kind of browse around and play around with. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. So no, so that's the. Uh, I want to do the same for WebSocket because all the API is now in WebSocket. So, I'll, but uh, yeah, I have a busy week. I have six days to make it work before I start traveling. That is very cool. Oh, but it won't take you that long, so that, yeah, that's, that's fine. fine. <laughs> six sure. days is hopefully plenty of time. Not, hopefully, you're not doing anything in the next six days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's kind of uh, all the stuff there is to it. Yeah, the next. Uh, yeah, you, right now you install it with PIP like Python. You'll have Docker in the next one. The yeah. package um, manager. Yep. You have Docker. Uh, and by the way, if someone uses PIP, it'll, it, it's recommended to use a virtual environment just so you don't you know mess things up. But uh, yeah, but with Docker you don't have to care. There's also someone who made was called Brew, uh, a formula for Brew. I'm not sure that's going to make it in for the release, but um, so if you're on a Mac and use the Brew package manager, you can go Brew install Home Assistant CLI. Um, but that's that's the PR waiting. Uh, they'll come in next next week. And what about for Windows users? Is there any love for anyone stuck on Windows? So this this again, this is another incentive for me to go back to my Matic card product and get that virtual machine up and running. Uh, <laughs> it should. I I haven't I haven't personally tested, it, but uh, if anyone, it should just work. But especially the Docker approach yeah. should work. Yeah. The only thing Docker. that doesn't work in Windows. Yeah, sorry. The only thing that doesn't work is the auto-completion. You'll have to run BAS or CCL, uh, set shell, uh, for that to yep. work. In today's day, you can do it, but um, yeah. I'll, if you're on Windows, I recommend using the Docker approach in the next release. Awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So I guess while, while you're here and while you've given us so much uh, awesome stuff to go off with, what in what is your favorite automation you've got in your smart home right now? My favorite one is prob is probably I've said time is the is just to turn the lights on or off and the flux thing. I, oh, I, I put that on. So now that my wife was complaining, well, she loved the lights turning on on its own, but then she complained that the lights were too bright. Uh, right. And I was like, ah, uh, okay. And I enabled the flux component. It's not perfect, uh, but at least uh, it it kind of dims light compared to the light level. And uh, that's probably the the one that's there. 
It's also the only one I actually have working right now, but that's because I'm waiting for <laughs> for, <laughs> for for um, for uh, I, I wanted to do that whole the vibration sensor thing, uh, but uh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't sound like you've been busy with anything else, so I don't know no, why no. that's your only automation <laughs> no, no, that's been working. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> I have a, I have a, now that I have to see a live, so I can I can stop. I can I can still be lazy when I work with home assistant. Uh, I hope that I can. I have a lot of product I wanted to do, but uh, they'll they'll have to wait. There you go. So, so how do you how do you typically utilize Home Assistant? Like, do you prefer using voice through something like an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, or do you use the UI? Or it's um, it uh, mainly it's been just uh, dimming a light, etc. But I I got an Echo for fun, and I literally thought that my wife and kid would hate it, but it just kind of works. And I got the, what's called the cloud uh, subscription. So uh, all the things are set up. I I could do it all on my own, but using the Nabu thing was just simple uh, yeah. and it works. So you just go like, you know, turn on like my, my kids <laughs> is yelling at the <laughs> Amazon echo to play music and uh, turn on the lights and all that stuff. And, and that's working. Um, the one thing I, I I really want to do is the it's a floor plan kind of thing with the overview, yeah. which is why I was I'm looking for a device like the Home Assistant, sorry the Google Home, that's nice and uh, to look at. But I, I've been working on getting the floor plan stuff working in the, with the picture elements in Lovelace, um, and that's still you know work in progress. But I hope that will yeah I. I have it working. It works on my laptop. I can use my tablet, but I, I'm missing the the tablet I can put somewhere that is, you know, works with both having kids and a wife, which I haven't found yet. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah. Fair enough. So, so yeah. Um, by the way, that reminds, the one thing I did last week. So those who uh, there's there's two things, right? There's the floor plan, the old floor plan thing, which uses SWD and is very powerful, but it doesn't work in Lovelace. Uh, not sure why, but then there's the picture element cards. And I don't know why, but everyone I've seen using it has this problem of positioning the, the, the elements, which I had a problem with too. You have to mm-hmm. type in top and left percentage. And um, I, I, do, I just released a video explaining how to use it with the Chrome DevTools. I'm not sure. Have you used? Have you tried the picture element stuff? Yeah, so I think there is a, or at least when I set one up, there was a, a Lovelace... Uh, toggle, there was a setting or something or another card that you could overlay that would yeah. just display the percentages of where to align things correctly. But, but it's 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 first of all, it doesn't work all the time, and mm-hmm. two, it's not exactly the right value. Oh, uh, really? Well, wow. it's it works for most cases. So if yep. you, if you only do a few, it's probably fine. But the cool thing is, like uh, this was actually uh, Paolo's who who pointed me to it. You can literally just go into DevTools. And then click the select element and, and click the, the light or the camera, whatever you have. Yep. And then put on it and go to the code on in the developer tools and you can just you can just use the arrows to move the element around. And once it's there, you copy those values into your YAML or or you uh, yeah, uh, the the Lovelace UI and it's is there. Like it's you don't need any custom cards or anything. So that, that was when I got that, suddenly I, I've had this this uh, 3D overview thing. And but I was just so annoyed that things were not at the exact position to be nice and it didn't scale or whatever. And 
uh, and I I just kind of gave up on it because it was just too tedious for me to find a position, save, reload, and and back and forth. But this thing, you just it just works. All right, so I think uh, I think that brings us to about the end of the episode. Um, any any final notes, Max? To oh, I, I just remembered Phil likes the aftership component. I did. The... Oh, I love that aftership component. Yeah. <laughs> so the the <laughs> aftership. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't done the features you asked for yet, but anyway. Um, so Aftership Component is just uh, there's this component, uh, a service called Aftership that can keep track of all your packages, like yeah. 17 tracker or whatever. Uh, but the Aftership, now it's like the Aftership, it actually has a, a public API and it kind of, goes, kind of just works. Uh, but 17 track doesn't have a public API, so and it's kind of wonky in places. Um, but that, you can literally say, oh, the these packages are on its way, and uh, a UPS or a Swiss Post or whatever country you. It has like it's the biggest. It's the one that has the biggest amount of service as far as I know. Yeah, I think there isn't. I think it's got all of the Australian carriers, even like even the, the smaller brands yeah. out here as well. So, yeah, it's yeah. yeah, it's great. The only the downside is you do have to put a credit card to behind the account to get access yeah. to it. It is a free um, service, though, so I think it's 100 packages per month you can track for free, but after that, they will charge you, but that's, yeah. you know, fine. Like, yeah, so you have to go beyond, a, I think it's like 1,000 a, a month or something. Yeah. It's 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 a lot. Uh, so I, I've used it, uh, like, I haven't had any problems. Um, what, what sort of automations do you have around that? Do you have, like, anything to tell you, okay, you've got a package coming today or the package has been delivered? So that was actually... <laughs> Again, I got I got lost in being lazy. Uh, <laughs> I was like, um, I, what I really wanted to do is because, um, well, this is like a, it's like a, what's it called? It's like an evil circle because I started ordering shit from uh, AliExpress and it, like I got packs all the time and I was like, and they take like 12, 50 days to come here and I was like, I was like getting annoyed not having it. So I'm like, oh, let me have it in Home Assistant. And there was no, there was no component that could do it for me for Swiss Post. But then I found AfterShip. I'm like, oh, let me get that in. And, and by the way, the first AfterShip was not done by me. I just made it part of I, I moved it to the home system, the built-in. Uh, yeah. Yep. And yep. Uh, I actually wanted to have, because I, I wanted to have the, the boxes on the map of where they were. So I wanted to look at my map and say, okay, I have some packages coming from Denmark. I have some from China. I have some from wherever. <laughs> Um, and that was what I got uh, going. And I had a prototype for it, but um, yeah, I, I got stuck doing the CLI instead. Uh, but my idea was to show them on a the map, and these are the packs on the way, and uh, and you know, kind of have them there. Uh, and I have it. I got all the notifications on email, so I had a, again. I have a prototype. I know I can make it work. I just haven't finished it. Uh, literally used the the mail watching component in. Uh, in the home assistant and when it hits a specific uh, mail then i can call the service in aftership that adds a sh- tracking number to uh, the list of packages so right oh. now i have to manually take the, the number and put into aftership which yes yes me too and i'm like well <laughs> why don't i just scan the email for you know the, the tracking number that, yeah, yeah. Add, it, add it to there and then we'll just automatically work but uh, yeah so, okay, that's, that's really you know, cool. Again, I'll, I'll do that in the yeah. After some other stuff is done. 
Yeah, well, I, I look forward to that. But, uh, but I'll, that'll be really cool because that then I uh, it will work for anything like UPS, uh, DSL, Swiss Post, Australian Post, and it will just be one setup. So instead of have to explain, oh, you use this component if you live in Denmark or this component in Australia, you just say install after ship, enable this automation, and it'll just it'll just run. Yeah, that's cool. That's very next cool. time. So with that, uh, I think that about wraps up the episode. Yeah. Thank you so much, Max, for taking the time and, and all your yeah. work on Hassi Alliance. You've certainly blown our minds today. I think Rohan is definitely so. installing it right now, and I'll be installing it very shortly. Yeah. And just be uh, just so people are aware, is it's, the reason why I actually wanted to get on, on today was that in six days, I'm actually leaving for traveling for two and a half months. So I hope this podcast comes out fast. People ask me question, and then because <laughs> in five days I will, I'll, uh, uh, Fabian will be the only one uh, who's around. Uh, but uh, it's so easy to use, you know. It's you don't have to understand anything. So. I'm sure when you get back, you will have a lot of feature requests ready for you. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, cool. All right. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thank you. Bye bye. If you want to share your home assistant journey or come on as a guest, reach out to us at feedback at haspodcast.io. That's H-A-S-S podcast.io. The Home Assistant Podcast is hosted by Phil Hawthorne and myself, Rowan Karamandi. For links to topics that we discussed today, check out our show notes on haspodcast.io. 